This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four... England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. What a joyous message we have for you as well. England, in the space of nine days of actual cricket, have won two test matches in Pakistan, something that they've only managed in the previous 60 years. Two test wins in Pakistan in 60 years, two test wins in the space of nine days of cricket on this tour to give them the series. An amazing fourth day in Multan, which actually was in the balance for quite a while, with Pakistan actually having a great chance of victory. But England, in the end, just seemed to have all the answers, Simon. Well, they did, uh, thanks to Mark Wood, ultimately. Uh, Pakistan needed 65 to win. They had five wickets left. A partnership was building, and then Wood managed to... Uh, dismissed the adhesive Mohammed Nawaz in one over and then in the next over he got rid of Shaquille as well. He batted so well, he was so gritty and he, he deserved 100 really. He played magnificently for his side under pressure, he just absorbed it all and it looked as if he was going to take Pakistan home to victory at one point but would change the course of the day's play. And we can talk about the dismissal of, uh, of Shaquille a little bit later. Perhaps we should talk about the, the achievement, really, for England to come here and win uh, two test matches in, well, as you say, nine days, two in a fortnight. What was it, two in 60 years, then two in a fortnight. Uh, it, it's a remarkable achievement and a remarkable transformation by England this year. They were going nowhere uh, in the Caribbean. I mean, they lost to West Indies, who've just been thrashed twice by Australia and they they have turned it round and this is the, the part of the culmination of that and it's it's been fascinating to watch it and I, th- I think you know Pakistan and the crowds that have turned up they've thoroughly enjoyed the series that they've seen as well the Pakistan supporters although ultimately disappointed seems a strange thing to say when you're 2-0 down but it has, it has been a, a riveting series so far with both results in the balance until very near the end of the game. 
think what's been interesting, and you mentioned Mark Wood there, is the impact that the England faster bowlers have had. Because you go to a place like Pakistan or indeed India and you expect the spinners to have you know, a fairly big influence. And actually it's been the faster bowlers. It's amazing. Actually, if you look at the series averages so far in uh, England's camp and uh, the faster bowlers, Mark Wood just played the one test, six wickets at an average of 17, four in this second innings, four for 65. Ollie Robinson, eight wickets at 18. And Jimmy Anderson, eight wickets at 18 as well. So not only unexpected prosperity for the England fast bowlers, but very low averages as well. And I, I don't know if that says a little bit about the Pakistan batting, especially the, the lower order batting, but they haven't had much to work with on the pitches, not not in terms of sort of traditional uh, elements to be able to get swing and seam as you would in England. But they've just, I think, two things to say about it. One is they've exploited the conditions that they've found very cleverly. And secondly, Stokes has used them very cleverly, very intelligently. He just recognises when are the moments to use those particular bowlers, like, for instance, Mark Wood, just before lunch today to get those two key wickets with Pakistan actually on top, in fact. And I think actually that just says something about Stokes, not only his his cricketing inclinations and his cricketing knowledge, but actually the fact that he is a bowler. And I've always thought with captaincy in cricket that it's good to have a captain who, who understands bowlers and understands bowling and can just identify those key moments. Of course, we talked about... The, the importance, the, the, perhaps the England's deficiencies in the bowling department for taking the 20 wickets in Pakistan, but they've defied our, our reservations and, and taken those 20 wickets. And it's just, it's how they've bowled and how Stokes has used them. And by the way, uh, Jack Leach, the, you know, the leading spinner, he's taking his wickets at 57. So it hasn't been a spin that has done the trick for England. It's been seen. Yeah, and today, or this innings, Pakistan's second innings, pace bowlers 8 for 132. And the, the spinners, they didn't go around the park, but Pakistan mastered them quite comfortably. Last test match in the second innings, nine wickets in the second innings. I don't think necessarily that England's pace bowlers expected to have as a, a bigger swag of wickets as they have taken in in this series. I, th- I think, you know, they, especially in the last Test match, I think, you know, people afterwards saying, I've never seen a flatter pitch than this. You know, it was such hard work. And I, I spoke to Mark Wood at, afterwards. I don't think I've ever seen uh, an athlete in any of the sports I've ever covered so tired afterwards. Uh, um, he just said, I am so tired. You know, he, you know, Woody, he's, quite, he's sort of quite a joker and he, he's quite a bulliant he just looked absolutely drained and he sort of dragged up his sort of enthusiasm to, to do the interview uh, for the BBC. He was just so tired. I noticed uh, soon afterwards he, he did a, uh, an impromptu press conference for the written media and he sat down. <laughs> you don't see that happen very often. He, just, he was just so tired. But he managed to drag England uh, back into the game and ultimately help him win the game today. I, I know in the last Test match, Ollie Robinson was named player of the match for his wickets in the second innings. I just wonder whether Wood would have been named uh, player of the match uh, for his performance today because, you know, without him, I don't know, I'm not sure England would have won the game. Uh, unconventional wickets in a sense, both caught down the leg side. But I think for Wood and, you know, in, in, in these conditions, they are legitimate 
uh, dismissals. You know, you're, you're bowling into the ribs of the of the batter, and you you know it, and it's, it's quick. And he's try he's sort of, you're playing a flinching stroke, and it's so easy or, or certainly possible to catch the glove or whatever the the fine edge of the bat. So it, it's not so much of a, a strangle as you often uh, I f- you know feel it can be when players are caught down the leg side. I've always thought actually that that bowling for those sorts of wickets caught down the leg side is totally legit- legitimate. It's just as valid as getting the outside edge, is getting a, a bottom edge or a, a glove down the leg side, especially in these conditions in these parts of the world. Because actually, if you look at the T Twenty series that that they played in November, October, November, uh, when Wood was quite a tormentor of the Pakistani batting there. And he bowled a lot of short balls and uh, got Barbara Zam out a couple of times, for instance, caught pulling and hooking. And that that is uh, because of the, the different heights that the ball comes off at on these pitches. It does make the shot difficult to play. And in a way, they have to take it on because if he's bowling a lot of short balls, you've got to score somehow. So... It's genuinely a, a taxing issue for the batsman to try and read the ball and the height of it and try and well, I keep it down or place it away from the fielders. That's a challenge in itself. They have to keep the score going. You can't just allow bouncer after bouncer or short ball after short ball to go past harmlessly because you lose the momentum of the game. You lose your, your partnership uh, building up a, a potential winning opportunity. So I can quite see why the players, those batsmen, played those shots. And because of the the slightly different heights of bounce and the speed of the ball coming through as well, that's when the wicket-taking opportunities uh, occur. Two good catches by Ollie Pope. One of them obviously contested. Uh, I thought it was genuine in the end. I mean, you, you can look at these for endless times and come up with a, a suspicion that it might have touched the ground, but I don't know. Sometimes actually look, looking at it in full speed gives you the, the best impression. And the more you look at it in slow motion, the more confused you become. I thought that that, uh, that take down the leg side was actually a, a very good catch. And it, it just shows the value also of having a fast bowler, somebody who can bowl above 90 miles an hour to ram home your opportunity or initiative in these sorts of conditions. Somehow England did it in the last match, but it was only because of the speed of their scoring, giving the bowlers time to to take the wickets. This time, it was a closer game in some ways, wasn't it? A much closer game. And I think Wood was the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And they were desperate to get him in the side, you know, that, that extra pace. I think, you know, there was you know, there's a sense of frustration after Raul Pindy. Well, that they well that they bowled there, that they didn't have any firepower to knock out the tail. You know, it was it was quite easy to to stay in. I mean, in a way, Pakistan should not have lost that game. They should have been able to to block out on that pitch if they wanted to, but they they couldn't quite manage it. And so England wanted that extra firepower and Wood provided it and he he summoned up all those sort of reserves of energy. I mean, he had, you know, he hasn't played that much and he steamed in and he bowled really well. He bowled, you know, quick and straight uh, during this game. And, you know, he got his rewards, four for 65 today. On the catch, I spoke to Ollie Pope afterwards and he's, his view on it was, well, I dived over, I, I, I you know, did the best I, I could and then it was up to others to say whether it was out or not. You know, I, that, that was his view. He said, I didn't know, I, I just went for it. I came up with it. I mean, Mark Wood was charging down, appealing and celebrating, and so were the other 
uh, England close fields. Harry Brooks said you know, it was out from his position at short leg. I suppose you could say, well, they, they would, wouldn't they? Uh, and, and Ben Duckett apparently said to Ollie Pope, yeah, you, you caught that. Pope wasn't sure. He didn't appeal. And so that was, that was one of the things that sort of cast doubt on it. Oh, you, Yoz, you've been in that TV truck, you know, on, on these low catches. Perhaps just explain why sometimes... I mean, I, don't, I have to say, I don't know whether it was out or not. And I think Joe Wilson had a really difficult job. I thought in fast motion it definitely was, but you're right. On, in, in slow motion, that, you know, there must have been a bit, a bit of doubt. Joe Wilson thought not. Uh, he said, I think he's got those, his gloves underneath it and, and taking the catch uh, cleanly. But just explain why, you know, when you're in that TV truck, you know, what the pictures look like and how perhaps sometimes they can be a bit deceiving to the viewers. Well, I think what you need, it, it, I think you need a 3D uh, impression to really get the right verdict on this. Because TV pictures are in two dimensions you often find that the ball looks as if it's touching the ground when it isn't. And in fact, we did experiments on te- telly where a, a fielder or you know one of the commentary team would hold the ball on the ground with our hand underneath it. And we'd then use the TV coverage cameras to film what we were doing, taking a catch and making sure that the ball was cleanly in the hand and the hand was touching the ground, but the ball wasn't. And from certain angles, certain cameras high up in the stand, often the cameras are positioned on sort of second and third tier, so they're looking down. So you're, you, you know, what you really need is to be able to look up, up from a, from a below at, you know, almost at ground level. But not many cameras are at ground mm-hmm. level. So from higher up, it looks as if the ball is touching the ground because of the two-dimensional image, when actually it isn't. And what you really need is a either a camera. You know, you need grass cam, really, don't you? <laughs> to a bl- blade cam or something <laughs> to be able to tell really, truly, and clearly whether the ball has touched the ground. I think also, you know, from sometimes, and we've seen even in this series, sometimes fielders grab the ball and they think it's carried, but then the, the pictures from a particular angle show, and and sometimes these the run out cameras are quite good because they are low cameras and they're now HD as well so you do get a clear image from them. So sometimes they can show that the ball touched the ground even though the fielder didn't think it, it did. Uh, th- those wicketkeeper ones are also difficult because of the gloves, the wicketkeeper's gloves that sort of rather cloud the, the clarity of the picture and also the wicketkeeper because he's got the gloves on isn't necessarily sure himself. You know, you, as a fielder, you can sometimes tell because your fingers, you know, touch the grass whether you just got the ball uh, underneath, whether you've got your hand underneath or not. But with a wicketkeeper, it's much harder to tell. So, the, the, you know, these things are very difficult. And uh, I, in the end, you just have to say, well, how much doubt was there? How much doubt? If there's sort of 20% doubt that it carried, then you have to give it not out. But in the case of this catch from Pope, I thought there was a sort of 2% doubt and therefore give it out. Yeah, I mean, lots of people have different views on this. I, I, you know, just having having a look around social media and speaking to other people in our 
media circle. Uh, Waka Yunus said it. You know, he thought it wasn't out. He thought it was. You know, it, clearly the ball was on the ground. I saw Michael Vaughan uh, suggest it was on the ground as well, or at least it brushed the ground. And uh, others seem pretty happy with that. I think David Gower said. It, it, well, he said, David said, look in the newspaper tomorrow, and it said it was out. But he he was he said he defended the catch. Um, Vic Marks with us on Test Match Special. He thought that the the fast motion view of it showed that Pope got it got his gloves underneath and took it cleanly. Uh, we'll never know. Uh, but it, it was such a key moment in the day. Uh, Shaquille played so well. He didn't look particularly disgruntled uh, when he, when he was sent on his way. Uh, but he, he, what a, what a moment for him. He he, he battled so hard. 94 from 213 balls. He, lo- he looks as if he wanted to bat for the, you know, the rest of the available time in the Test match, you know, for a full five days. And England did not really look like getting him out. It was his his first uh, full shot, if you like. But I suppose that's what extra pace does. The extra pace of Mark Wood. I don't know. Does it slightly, I don't know, taint England's victory? Not taint. That's not not quite the right word. But it 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 sort of makes it a bit unsatisfying because of the, the the element of doubt around it. Although not not that I think. The England players felt there was any doubt there. They they thought, yeah, that that catch was taken cleanly. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of course, looking at the beginning of the day's play, the, the key man, briefly, was Joe Root. I love the way that Ben Stokes invests so much faith in his bowling, you know, brings him on in uh, key times. I suppose that says a little bit about Will Jax's inexperience uh, at the moment. Uh, you know, again, he's a work in progress, even though he got those six wickets in the first test. They were slightly lucky, I suppose. But there's there's some potential there, undoubtedly. But Root is a bit more reliable. And now, with that wicket of Fahim Ashraf, he's the, the, only the third player in the history of the game to score 10,000 test runs and take 50 wickets. The other two being, Simon? One of them was Jack Callis. Yeah. Correct. And the other, the other one, one was Steve Waugh, yeah. and who was, a, who was a decent bowler, actually, Steve Waugh. He bowled a, a, a mean bouncer, actually, apart from also swinging the ball around and being quite keen as a sort of sixth, sixth bowler used often and sometimes even fifth bowler. In fact, I think early in his test career, he was almost more of a bowler. He, he came in at number seven. And, and bowled quite a lot of overs. Anyway, a fantastic achievement by by Joe Root, just illustrating the the fact that you you forget that he's got ten thousand Test runs, of course, uh, in, in in such a young age, only thirty one. So the the world is his oyster as far as, as batting is concerned. But he's got that extra ingredient of, of, of his bowling, and I think 
I suppose if you if you had to say anything about players of the future and Harry Brook being one, if they can have their, a, a second ingredient to their game, it just makes them so much more valuable. If Harry Brook could bowl, I'm not saying he needs to because he's just such a fantastic player, a batsman, but if he could bowl as well, it would... It's just give it just gives the captains just that extra option. Yeah, Root was was key today at the start because Pakistan had two left-handers out there, and Jack Leach was struggling a bit. I mean, you, you, generally speaking, you want, of course, you do. You want the slow left armer to bowl to the right-handers, and you want the off-break bowler to bowl to the left-handers. So it kind of worked. And actually, Root he did create pressure because one thing England were doing today they were trying to get through to the new ball. And they had 16 overs to, to get through. And so what they needed early on was, yeah, A, a wicket if possible, but also to be to keep it tight. And Root was able to do that. And so that, gui- that sort of guided England uh, to where they thought they needed to be. But, of course, that, then that partnership developed uh, between uh, Shaquille and Nawaz. It really held them up and, and made it look as though Pakistan were going to win the game. So, yeah, so Root in the sixth over of the day got rid of Fahim Ashraf. He nicked one to slip and Zach Crawley took the catch. Yeah, 50 wickets for... Joe Root, and he's, you know, he took that five for in, in India, five for eight, incredible figures on that uh, raging turner and ended up uh, watching England being bowled out and, and lose the game that day. So it ultimately, uh, not much to celebrate. Do you, do you think he can get 100 wickets? Yeah, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I think he can. And in a way, it's the paucity of other options, spin options, gives him even more chance, actually. Uh, I mean, it, it may not happens so immediately obviously he's got a, a series in New Zealand where he probably won't bowl all that much and then the Aussies in the summer interesting but yeah I, of course uh, and I, I suppose the main thing is whether his his back stands up to because he has got a sort of long-standing back injuries uh, or you know back ailments never help bowling but I think he's you know he bowls his leg breaks he can bowl a bouncer and he's such a kind of multi-purpose bowler. He loves bowling round the wicket to right-handers and left-handers, which a lot of off-spinners are not very comfortable doing. So absolutely, definitely can get 100 wickets. And I guess, well, I was going to say he'll be, he'll be the second person in history to have done that because I don't think Steve Waugh took 100 wickets, but Jacques Callis certainly did. Yeah, well, Jacques Callis, fantastic all-rounder. I mean, his numbers are amazing, aren't they? Uh, one thing about Root, of course, in this... A test series so far, he's not made a hundred, and he's he's one of the f- the few in in the in the the top order not to make a hundred. Crawl has made one, Duckett's made one, Pope's made one, Brooks made two, and and Joe Root has missed out. And he was undone by Abra in this uh, test match. Uh, I want to talk about Abra in just a moment, but but f- before we get on to Abra, who. One thing I would say is it was a really tight day's play. It was a really exciting test match and England winning the game by 26 runs. It was so exciting. It drew, it, you know, drew an enormous amount of attention. But should they have allowed themselves to get in this position? Because they were absolutely dominating uh, this game uh, before lunch on the third day. And it, it was just a question of you know, how many they wanted to score. They were scoring runs so easily. And then they lost their last five wickets for 19 runs. And it's... And I, I, what I thought was the pitch was flattening out, and I didn't. I thought they didn't quite sense the danger of the situation. They got a bit cavalier, played lots of shots, you know, players caught on the boundary, and I wonder whether they could have been a bit more ruthless and really nailed the game down. Ultimately, the, the fact they set Pakistan 355 to win made it an exciting game. But do you want? To, I don't know. It's, it's this. It's this balance, isn't it, between 
you know, winning and also entertaining. But, you know, I've come back to this point. They have entertained enough. They've entertained so much in this series. And there was some pragmatic cricket from England. So I just wonder whether they could have been a bit more uh, pragmatic and played some shots, big shots, you know, when they got a 400 lead or whatever. Just 30 or 40 more would have absolutely killed the game. I, don't, I mean, Pakistan was you know, saying in the, in the lead-up, uh, to the third day. Yeah, we think we can chase 320, 330. We got 350 uh, recently against Sri Lanka, although it was only actually about 342, to be uh, precise. So I just wonder whether they could have been a, a bit more ruthless. And I wonder whether, you know, well, I wonder whether they even discuss it, actually. Uh, ben Stokes, sort of, he sort of sidestepped it uh, when I spoke to him afterwards. Um, but I, I just wonder whether, you know, can you be a bit more... Uh, ruthless and, and nailed down the game because mm. it actually probably got a bit too close for comfort. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that Stokes will think privately and will probably talk to the team about at an appropriate time, but probably won't talk about publicly because it will seem a bit disloyal. But I totally agree with you. And actually, I I put, point the finger at somebody like Ollie Robinson a little bit, which is which may be harsh. And and by the way. Looking up the test match averages of bowlers in history, he's got the second best test average, wicket-taking average, of any bowler of the last 50 or 60 years. I think Frank Tyson is marginally ahead of him, but all the other bowlers uh, that are ahead of him in terms of average, have a lower average per wicket, are all players who played uh, 60 years or more uh, ago, except Kyle Jameson from New Zealand, the very tall a fast bowler from New Zealand, whose average is marginally better than Robinson. But Robinson has the second best test average for a bowler for the last 60 years. Uh, it's 19.61 at this point. Amazing. And he's taken 59 wickets. So the qualification is 50 wickets plus, if you like. But his batting average in test cricket is 10. And that, I'm afraid, is woeful. And often he gets out, as he did uh, in this match, just having a huge hack across the line when he's hardly got himself in. So I think England's gung-ho approach to batting has kind of leaked into the tail-enders and they sort of think they can do it too. And, you know, sometimes they can. But, and, and Mark Wood played pretty well in the first innings of this test and got 30-odd not out. But I think, that, I think there just needs to be a bit of common sense in that lower order as well. Just to, It's almost like they, they think they can play the shots that Ollie Pope and Joe Root and... Um, and Harry Brook can play, well, I'm afraid they can't. <laughs> They're just not as good. They need to take more time. And and Robinson batting at eight, as he has in you know a few test matches, has got to apply himself a bit more. Yeah, one, one thing I would say about that is, yeah, it was a poor shot from Ollie Robinson, but you know, in a way, Ben Stokes had, 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 sh- had shown the way because he, he took on a, 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 diff- a shot with a huge amount of difficulty out towards uh, deep mid-wicket. There were three fielders on the leg side boundary and it was a huge boundary out there. So he'd sort of gone for it. I, I mean, I, what I presume was that, OK, England had this um, very attacking approach. They thought they had enough. But I just wonder whether they could have been a, just a bit more street smart because... He thought, yeah, they get out, get bowled out here, three fifty. It's not in, not impossible to get these on this pitch. This pitch has quietened down. It looked it seemed to have a bit more in it earlier in the game, and it it really had gone flat. And I, I think it's just about 
I suppose a little bit occasionally you've got to pay a bit more traditional test cricket because you've got to be ruthless you get in a winning position you actually absolutely nail it down and it, I think the point is it's not as if they hadn't done that the, the day before Stokes had come in and played actually quite pragmatically you know he talks about this aggressive way of playing but he he had his old sort of old style test match head on in, in the day be- day before so you know they are perfectly c- capable of doing it it's almost as if they didn't quite see the danger and got a bit carried away and actually just on harry brook he he said he he played what he, he said to me afterwards i played a poor shot in the first innings he tried to larrap it over the top and he you know he he recalculated in the second innings and, and played magnificently it was, a, it was a fine innings he didn't look in too much trouble uh, he, he i suppose he in the end he, his calculation was Okay, we haven't got many wickets left here. There were two wickets left. And he went for a big shot, and he was caught on the boundary as well. I, but I just wonder where they could have said to themselves, you know, twenty, thirty more here, and we're safe in this game. You know, or, you know get to four hundred. Anyway, it, 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 their cavalry approach, five for nineteen, uh, created a, a, a dramatic and, and, and very exciting what what proved to be uh, final day, fourth day of the match, game finishing a day early. Uh, that that would be the one thing I would say that there might be times in the future, e.g., Ashes series, where you you don't want to open the door in any way whatsoever to uh, Australia if they get in a in a winning position. Does that seem harsh or not? No, I, I think it's it's, it's fair. I, I mean, I know Stokes's response will be, we just want to get as many runs as possible, almost as quickly as possible. And look, if it doesn't happen. Uh, one or two times, and you know, get we get bowled out. That's so be it. Really, it's a bit like Owen Morgan's attitude during the, the first couple of years of his reign as the one the one day captain. And um, he talked he talked about shooting the lights out, attempting to shoot the lights out. And we'll just we'll try and you know see how far it, we can go, kind of thing. How far we can take this. And for the first couple of years, it was, oh, no, I don't care if we got bowled out for 180 in 32 overs. Um, you know, that We want to play that way. But in tournament cricket, they gradually learnt how to apply a, a, a level of smartness to how they were uh, going to approach a particular game so that they were able to win that 2019 World Cup. And I guess, you know, what Stokes is doing at the moment is this, there's this sort of, it's almost a, a culture of exploration to see how far they can to take this team and maybe the Ashes is the ultimate uh, target. And I know that it's always tempting to take the Ashes as a special series and kind of, you know, it's always the benchmark for how a team is performing, how an England team is performing. And that's sometimes a little bit of an illusion because... There are other teams out there who are probably even better, like India, for instance, and playing in India is the ultimate challenge, winning in India sort of thing. But it, it's, it's always, it's very easy to, to, to focus on the ashes every four years at home. And, and so I think that over the next you know, couple of months when they play in New Zealand, they'll probably still seek this level of, of high expression, of high octane cricket, and and then kind of factor it all in together and learn the lessons that those games have, have thrown up and apply it all to a, a very serious Ashes campaign and obviously looking ahead to, to future series. So, you know, I suppose that's a long, very long-winded way of saying I think you're right, but I don't think that yet they will change their tack. 
Yeah, well, but we'll see. Actually, Ben Stokes afterwards uh, today said that the only time that they really, really thought that they might lose the game was when a bra. Uh, came out after lunch and started smacking it because he said, you know, someone new to Test match cricket, you know, you don't have those inhibitions. You think this is going to be typical. You know, he doesn't. He, has, he sort of, it's it's all new to him. He's got that freedom to play. He's got his his bag of swag in the match and all those wickets he's taken. And he suddenly thought, yeah, he, he could take this away from us uh, suddenly. And uh, I mean, fortunately for England, he he kept on going and smacked one straight to extra cover off Jimmy Anderson. And then I think when when he was out, I thought I think finally thought yeah England are going to win this match it's just it's just a bit too many for the last two wickets to get uh, another 45 well they had a they had a go at it as uh, they they had this uh, the field up um uh, sorry the field back for Salman Aga they were you know, just you know phony war four balls the over and then bring the field up and then see what Salman could do off the last two uh, and, and he was hitting boundaries, and then you hoped to bowl at the the number eleven at the other end, Muhammad Ali, and eventually got a full over at Muhammad Ali, and, and Robinson uh, dismissed him first ball uh, inside edge onto the pad, ballooned up, and uh, Pope uh, took the catch. So yeah, a, a, a bra, a great great game for him. If he'd been if he'd been on the winning side, he probably would have been player of the match. What do England do now, Yos? Do you think they've they've two nil up in in the series? Uh, you know they've they've won the series. A fantastic achievement to win two Test matches in Pakistan for the first time ever. An England team, first time an England team's ever done that. Two matches in a series. Do you think they they do mix and match a bit now? Does folks come back? Do they give Rian Ahmed a game? Uh, they they blood him here and say I don't know perhaps in place of of Will Jacks bring in folks for uh, one of the bowlers. What what do you think? Firstly, I think they need to rejoice. And celebrate what they've achieved. And often in in the kind of life of a, a professional sportsman, there isn't enough time to do that. And there isn't much time here, obviously. And you're in a country which where presumably alcohol no. isn't easy to get hold of either. So they'll have to kind of change the way they celebrate a, a little bit. But I think they, they should really absorb what they've achieved, which is momentous. And I also think that... I, I like, what I like about Stokes's approach, uh, as well as the on-field stuff, is I think they've thrown away the the necessity to have to practice to the nth degree. This is something that Stokes himself has got over time, partly from Trevor Bayliss, I think. I remember Trevor Bayliss. I remember Stokes actually saying that when Bayliss took over, one of the first things he said to him after about a year anyway was... Don't give everything in practice. Leave a little bit for the match. You know, only go, I don't know, 60, 70% in practice and leave something for the actual game. And I think that's something Stokes has has tried to to bring into this team is you don't need to flog yourself in practice. Do the necessary, do the basics. But there's a sort of flexibility to how they prepare because you want to save that energy that mental and physical energy that desire for the game itself and so the second thing England mustn't do is go into the nets and I'm sure they won't you know unnecessarily before the Karachi test match they've got an extra day off now I hope they use it to if possible look around a bit I don't know if they're allowed to to go out much but it's they've had such an amazing impact as a, a a team, not just by what they've achieved results-wise, but how they've played. And I think you just sense from the Pakistani crowd 
that they really appreciated that, and uh, that's why you know they've come out in sort of quite quite big numbers, certainly in the first test, and they probably will in Karachi. As far as what England do team-wise, I mean, Jax to me is is not a test cricketer at the moment, and uh, I, I would be tempted to to try Rian Ahmed as one change, but that temptation should also be uh, kind of measured against the importance of winning the third test. Pakistan will come back strongly. They'll want to finish the series on a high. It's it's always tempting to, you know, like with the end of Ashes series, you know, or end of any five test series, throwing in players, spinners you haven't seen before to see how they go. And often those experiments are, are rather unproductive. So... It's a question of whether they see him as someone who's going to have an impact in the game. That's what Stokes looks at and McCullum looks at. Will this player have an impact at some point in the game? And if they think yes, they they, they can see the potential to have more of an impact than, say, Will Jacks, then maybe they'll throw him in. What do you think? Well, I'd be interested to see what they come up with. I mean, there's, there might be a temptation uh, to play. I, I mean, I, I do sense that they're they're a very physically tired team. I think today was a, a relief for them. You know, I think there was the euphoria after Alpindi. I think they 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 realised they'd done something special, and it was a great Test match and a great Test win. Uh, to, you know, to to get twenty wickets on that pitch, flattest pitch I've ever seen. I think flattest pitch they've ever seen as well. So I think there was a real high after Alpindi, and t- this was a really big physical effort to get through this game and it was such a tight finish and you know I think there's some sickness in the camp as well some general illness so that's you know that's a factor as well so I think it may well be that they have a look at and they might try to uh, freshen things up there's Jamie Overton that could, could come into the side as well uh, yeah Jimmy Anderson will Jimmy Anderson play uh, there was a talk that he had a bit of a hand injury that he did fielding uh, but you know he was out there giving it all today Mark Wood absolutely shattered after his exploits over the last uh, few days and, and Ollie Robinson's put in everything as well and bowled uh, magnificently so yeah there might there might be just a uh, a look at uh, freshening up t- making a few changes I, I, I wouldn't be surprised put it that way I mean the, the one thing is how so how do they fit their options in get enough options and play Ben Folks as well and that you know they've gone must needs with with Ollie Pope keeping wicket out here, and you know, generally speaking, he's kept well. He, he, you know, he took that vital catch today that was given out, and he, he hasn't let them down in this game. Uh, so yeah, I, I could, oh, I could see uh, Rian Ahmed playing, and also you know, it'd be fascinating, wouldn't it, to see him play three first-class matches? It might be asking a bit much of him. It may be that they they do just see him as uh, you know a, a tour to learn on, just for them to have a look at him and for him to have a look at them and see how things are done. One thing I would say about Rihan Arman as well, just looking at his his numbers, is that he can bat as well. So it's not like they're bringing in someone who is just there for his bowling. He can bat. He's got he's already got a first-class 100. So there's that. You know, it, so he could come in for Will Jacks. That, that might be an option. And, you know, the pitches out here are pretty good, aren't they, for batting? You say to the top six, well, you know, it's your job to, to get the runs. Uh, it... <laughs> 2-0 up is a great position to be in and you know you can have you can if you want um, experiment a bit I think that's they've earned that right to have a look at, at one or two players and it may you know maybe having a look at a couple is not, not such a bad thing because you know, freshening teams up uh, can improve them it doesn't have to to weaken them how um, how have Pakistan reacted to 
to what's happened? What do you sense from the crowd and from co-commentators and so on? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good question and a, and a difficult one to answer. I, I think that they, were pr- they probably were taken a little bit by surprise by what England came up with in Raul Pindi, the way that, you know, the, the, I think this is the feeling that perhaps that you can't keep on playing this way in certain conditions against certain teams, and England showed in Raul Pindi that they could. And, you know, that to, to concede 500 runs in a day in that, on the first day of the series, and that is some marker uh, that you put down. And, you know, to go and win that game as well. And I have to say I was I was impressed with Pakistan in the second innings. I mean, they were rolled over in the first innings. It was pretty feeble for the, from them, but they they fought and fought and fought right to the end today. And it was it was nip and tuck, albeit that I think they were let back into the game a bit by England's carelessness uh, at the back end of their second innings. Uh, I don't think it's the, the the greatest Pakistan side ever. I think their bowling is a bit thin. Uh, they are missing Shaheen Shahfridi, which is a huge blow to them. And at times, it, you know, it was uh, a bra against England in this test match with the bowling. You know, he, without him, goodness knows where they would have been. I think they'd have been beaten very heavily. But he is, you know, he's given them a bit of cause for optimism. You know, I'm sure England will have a look, you know, have a look at what he does and and, and work out uh, his, his mystery and have, you know, have a look at the videos, do their research, uh, and then and perhaps make it a bit harder for him in Karachi. But yeah, so Pakistan are a, a bit of a crossroads with their team at the moment. But you know, Sha- Shaquille, excellent. You know, he's just come into the side. He looks really solid. Uh, Barber's got runs in the series, not but not the destructive runs, the massive scores that could uh, change the course of it. And, and you know, the top two, you know, Shafiq and, and Imam, you know, they're they're a solid opening partnership. So it's not without, uh, it's not without optimism for Pakistan, but they. Their bowling looks thin, and perhaps a lot of bowling sides look thin against this uh, England batting side. That, you know, when it, it really tries to take you down, mm. it's a cavalry charge, isn't it? <laughs> God, uh, and and Harry Brook, uh, man of the match, for uh, another hundred. Um, the, the 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 sky's the limit for him, I think. Uh, just the way he handles the situation uh, seems to understand what's required. And obviously, no holding him back in terms of uh, his aggressive approach. Seems to have just such a range of stroke. But yet, he loves batting. He's not going to just give it away willy-nilly. He loves being out there in the middle and, uh, and clearly has an insatiable appetite for run-making. So that bodes well for him. So what about um, travel-wise? You, you, you head to Karachi now, and this time it's by plane. So you're not going to see quite the same colourful array as you travel South? No, we we have two options, Yoz. One is to fly from Multan to Karachi. The other one is to go on the overnight bus, uh, which is taking all our luggage from uh, Multan to Karachi. So it depends whether you like flying or not. Uh, I'm not a great fan of, of flying uh, full stop. So it, it did cross my mind uh, to take the, the, the overnight bus, but... I, I don't know. It's a, it's a long, long way from here uh, to Karachi. I think it's about 14 hours. I feel a bit sorry for the the driver. Our baggage, our bags have just been loaded up onto the bus, and they're heading off uh, fairly shortly. So they'll have well, they won't have the scenic route, the the, the bags, because it, it'll be night time uh, most of the way. Uh, so yeah, so that's what we're doing. We're going a day early to uh, Karachi, and one reason a little bit is you feel a bit trapped in your hotel here because the security is so tight in this city. 
Uh, they don't want any mishaps at all. So you can't just wander out. Whereas perhaps in Karachi, there might be a bit more opportunity to, to have a look round and, and get out of the hotel. So, yeah, into the last match, the last sort of week of the tour. It's been a momentous tour uh, for England to, to come here and win. And perhaps, you know, over the next couple of days, it will, it will seep in. I, I, I said to you uh, a little bit earlier that there was just a sense of sort of relief almost rather than euphoria. Uh, winning this test match because of the hard work and the the, the the mental reserves and physical reserves that that were called upon to to win the game but another i mean a, another great test match uh, it, the, i mean England have played plenty of them uh, this year long long may it continue perhaps we'll have another uh, ripper in karachi and we might have a few new faces as well well, we'll speak to you in Karachi. Um, meanwhile, as I said the other day on this podcast, I created a, a new Twitter handle, The Analyst Pod, and I'll post on it today uh, a little clip of Harry Brooks' enterprise and skill, uh, especially looking at his ability against the short ball, uh, when I said uh, the other day that he's incredibly fast on the, the slightly shorter ball from the spinners and capitalise on it very quickly, and that forces them to then pitch it up, and that plays into his hands. So... A little bit of analysis of Harry Brook on the Analyst Pod Twitter handle. And please post your thoughts about what England have achieved so far or anything else that happens to crop up in your mind, something we can talk about over the next few days, uh, some questions or some comments. We'd love to see them. And also, if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a review on iTunes as well. Simon, thank you for your thoughts and uh, <laughs> sur- surviving... The, the various ailments that are knocking around the, the hotel and the team at the moment. Uh, you don't sound quite 100%, but I know you'll give 100%. And uh, we'll be back <laughs> speaking to you, hopefully, uh, good journeys permitting, on Saturday after the first day's play from Karachi. Great. I'll speak to you then. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.